Okay, welcome to Sacred Space here on West Limit 102. Um, my name is John Keeley, and to continue on with something I started off there a few months ago, this being the year of the priests, I've taken the opportunity of speaking with priests of the diocese um, and asking them to share their journey to priesthood with us. So today I'm very I'm delighted to welcome um, to this particular program uh, Father Canon. John O'Shea from Abbeyfield. Father John O'Shea will do grand. Father John O'Shea, and thank you for joining us, Father. Thank you very much indeed. So the idea would be that maybe you might be able to share some of your experiences um, since your ordination, maybe before that. So maybe just to start us off, Father, you might fill us in on your family background. Yes, I'm a native of Kildama, John. Um, I'm the eldest of uh, nine. I have four brothers and four sisters all living around. And... um, my mother is still living. She'll be 91 on the 10th of uh, April. And uh, father has died in 1987 on St. Bridget's Day. But we'll be a very close-knit family. Um, we come from a farming background. And um, the, my brothers and sisters would keep in contact with me all the time. And they would be very much part and parcel of my uh, family at the present time as well. Um, the school I went to was the Kildama National School, um, mm-hmm. and uh, after finishing in Kildama National School, we went to um, we went to uh, Salesians in Palace Kenway. Okay. And uh, for some unknown reason, only God knows that uh, everybody uh, at the time, all the day boys from the Kildama area, seemed to leave. My own first cousin, uh, John O'Shea, and Billy Carl, and Vincent Kennedy, they all went home farming, and I stayed at home one day, and we had a ritual at the time as young uh, youngsters. Uh, we went to the market in Limerick every Saturday, and at that time we'd take apples, uh, probably in the fall of the year, to the markers. And my father came out one day, and he said he was talking to Jimmy Collins, uh, he was a man from Krikora, and he said, send that fellow back to school. <laughs> so I said, look at how can I face back Pellis Kenry now? And he said, would you come to school in town? So he made an application from me to Munchens College, and I was accepted there. And, um, well, life takes on its own meaning after that. But um, that's something about my background. That's something about your background. So, I mean, when you used to go into the market every Saturday, every weekend, this would have been... The fifties, I'm sorry, the sixties. Would it be for it? Late fifties, and onto okay. the sixties, yeah. And okay. our treat for uh, standing there in the morning and selling the uh, dozen of apples, and the ladies would always say, "Give us a tilly," which was an extra one. Was we got a, a we got a, a battered sausage and a chip in <laughs> the cafe capri afterwards. I don't know what the cost of it was. You didn't mind anyway, you enjoyed it. So there you were, you left Palace Kenry, you now moved into Lerbeck, you moved into Munchens. Yes. Um, was that a big change, moving from...? It was. Uh, I cycled to Palace Kenry, and uh, we got on the bus, then the bus, so I live in the village in Kildama, the bus was just across the road from me, and uh, we had to change buses then because the college was uh, just uh, after moving from Henry Street out to Corbally, where it is now. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went out there, we had to change, and we got the bus at the Crescent out and in every day. But there was a great camaraderie b- among the fellows there. There was a great sense of looking out for one another, and mm-hmm. uh, guys knew when I started off that I was the new guy, and uh, they were very kind and very good to me. And I must say, I have great memories both of Palace Kenry and of uh, Munchens. Uh, and what sort of age would you have been when you went to Munchens, Father? I went to Munchens after my junior cert. After junior After cert. my intercert. And, you know, in Palace Kenry, um, there was a great spirituality there, I suppose. We often uh, went in at half seven for half seven mass on first Friday mornings as young fellas cycling in. And we got our breakfast afterwards with the rest of the boarders. And then we had the two-day retreats as well at that time. And uh, when there was no school for the two days and you walked around and kept the silence, and, which prepared me afterwards for the seminary as well. Okay, so now you are in Munchens 
The idea of going to Munchies was just to further your education or was there something else behind it? Well, as far as I was concerned, it was to further my education. Okay. Um, because my father had a, a concern that we should all do our leaving cert. Okay. And we were kind of off his hands after that. <laughs> okay. At that time, I suppose we would have been very conscious of the late 50s, the American wakes. And also of people going to England as well, okay. uh, because the, the opportunities here were for employment. Okay, okay. Now, just before we come to the next question, I know there was one piece of music, well, there was a few pieces of music that you were thinking about playing. Um, you might introduce the, the piece of music, maybe the first piece of music that you uh, The first piece of music, I felt that we would keep it very local in the sense that the singer is Father Tony Mullins. Oh, yeah. And uh, a number of years ago, we had... Uh, um, they had Hurricane um, Hurricane Katrina in Mississippi. Yes. And my classmate there, Father Louis Lohan, who's from Ballygar in uh, Galway, uh, had all his parish literally wiped away all the infrastructure. Church, school and presbytery were all taken away with Katrina. And he's in the process of rebuilding them at the present time. But they made a little video and it was... Um, had a, t- had a team tune in it, you are mine, do not be afraid, I am with you. And I find it's a great uh, gospel theme as well. 365 times it seems, do not be afraid, yeah. is said yeah. in the gospel, one for each day of the year. Lovely job. So this is Father, Father Tony Mullins, and he's singing from his album, Not Too Far From Here. And the name of the music is You Are Mine. So listen, we might just just listen to this piece of music and then come back afterwards and continue on with the interview. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Okay, welcome back again to the second part of this interview I have with Father John O'Shea here in Abbeyfield. So, Father, you're in Munchens um, to, to further your education, uh, uh, obeying what your father wished you to do. And uh, around this time, did you, did you have any idea at all about becoming a priest or what was your plan for your future? No, I had no definite um, mm-hmm. thoughts about becoming a priest at this time. But I must say that in our own family at home, um, my father's uncle was a priest. He died suddenly in Cratlow. He had a first cousin, a bishop, who was a marrying old father in the States. And um, he died a young man as well at Grand Central Station in New York after preaching the day before at one of the brothers' funerals, and he said, today's brother's Luke's day, tomorrow, who knows? And who knows, yes. It was his day tomorrow, unfortunately. And I met two Marinolers whom he gave orders to in 1992 when I was in Seton Hall for a summer course, mm-hmm. and they were able to tell me about him. They told me that uh, he was a, an army captain before he joined the priesthood, and uh, the interesting thing about him is that his father left... Uh, Kildamo after being to the fair of Ratkeel to sell cattle wow. in the ni- early <laughs> 1900s and I'm sure the tongue was out at home for the <laughs> money but they didn't they went off to America with to money and yes. sent back the money later on okay. he stayed there, he was a son of, uh, of one of those two brothers that left uh, the Kildamo late 1800s and um, 
There was also connections with Rathkeel to the O'Shea's in Kildama as well. So, and as well as that, quite a number of men were on the missions from Kildama. And I was always interested in their work. And yeah. I think the mm. dedication of the Salesians as well, the Salesian Fathers and Palace Kenry, they had a tremendous uh, sense of involvement with pupils uh, and, and their work ethic was very, very good. And I must say, all that was part and parcel of it and that inspired me. And also I admired the, the people, or the men around at home as well. So then when it came on to um, leaving CERT, mm-hmm. well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, an interview called The Concursus. And would you believe nine of us turned up for it? And I think maybe only half of us might have been interested. Okay. There was a classmate of mine, Dan O'Malley, when he saw me being kind of maybe interested in the priesthood, he says, I'm going to the Columbans, will you come with me? Mm-hmm. And I must f- say that I was kind of tending a bit towards it because my mother's uh, cousin, uh, the priest who married her, was mm-hmm. also a Columban. Okay. But I went down for... Um, I went down for Limerick Diocese. Bishop Murphy came in. He addressed us and he said, if you are thinking of the priesthood, would you consider the diocese? Because in the previous years, they had no ordinations. And as well as that, there was another priest, Father Sam Winters, and he wanted me to go to Patterson Diocese in the States. And he said to one fellow one time, would you tell that fellow he's out of his mind staying at home that he should... But I stayed, and I'm delighted that I opted for Limerick Diocese, and it has been very good to me. And I have great colleagues and priests, friends, and uh, I've had uh, great appointments in my diocese as well. Thanks, Billy God, for that. So that's where the idea came from. So then you had the, you had the interview with the bishop. Well, the bishop came to speak with you. Uh, what was the next step then after that? Then? The next step then was the president of the college met us, and um, he told us we were crazy. <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> right? Uh. And then we made the application. Now, there were, uh, he came out to the house then, I remember during the month of August, and uh, he said that um, uh, the bishop would like someone to go to uh, Patrick's in Carlo and somebody to go to Rome as well as Manute this year. Mm-hmm. So, it so happened that I was the person who went to Patrick's in Carlo. And the reason why I did was there was another classmate of mine, Jim MacDonald, uh, who had opted for Patterson Diocese. So we said the two of us would go together and we went off to Carlo. And um, we had six great years there in Carlo. Six years there. So uh, so this would have been, now within your class now, there would have been a number of people back, just go back to Munchies for a second, yes. there would have been a number of people uh, 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 our pupils or, or, or schoolmates of yours would have tended to go off for the priesthood that particular year. How many there were 44 of us in the class. Okay. Right? Nine opted for priesthood. Wow. Yeah. And there are quite a number of still around. Lee Minwright in Cratlow. Yes. Michael Noonan in Raheem. Yes. Um, Bishop John Fleming in Kalala Diocese. Okay. And um, myself, we would have been the four dioceses. Dan O'Malley then. Uh, Dan O'Malley then he's with the Columbans and he's uh, in the Philippines at present he would be five of the nine who persevered to this day wow I mean that's a big change now from today nine out of 44 yes, you know, yes. I wouldn't say you would. so uh, so so the influence of you becoming a priest I, I suppose the parents would have been a certain would have played a certain part yes we always said the rosary at home uh, and uh, my father would spend time gathering us for the rosary and then he'd say if you're not going to say it when we get a fit of laughing during it, will you get up and go out? <laughs> <laughs> like but uh, yes, we had a faith at home. Uh, my grandmother lived with us. Uh, she died when I was at the age of nine. And she was a powerful woman to pray as well. Yes, um, yes, yes. My father had a an aunt, a sister in the Mercy Convent in Tralee, Sister Chrysostom. And we would be in touch with her as well. And that, there were there was a lot of faith influence yes. ar- okay. around us. Um, okay. Yeah. So then, Father John then decided, right? I'm going to have to become a priest, uh, or, or, or start trying to become a priest. So you had to tell the family, and then you had to tell the friends. What sort of reaction did you get off 
boast. Maybe a friend. Well, I'd say I'd say if Paddy Powers is active today, you'd have given good odds on me <laughs> not to stick it. But however, I must say that um, you know I wouldn't be a person that would have come from a strong academic line. You know, okay. but there were high standards in the seminary, okay. and found it tough to get into the academic side of it. But when I did, I found it. Uh, very fulfilling yeah, and I must okay. say I grew into it okay. and had the opportunity after the seminary even to do a year in uh, the catechal, catechal centre in Dundalk you know okay. and also I must say as well that um, you know you were given responsibilities and you learned the skills of leadership and uh, you grew uh, during the time there mm. and, 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 and I must say there were happy times but then, just going back then again, sorry, just going back again, in Munchens, you decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going off to seminary, and I'm going to start training for a priest. You would have had schoolmates and buddies and friends of yours at home. Yes. How, how did they react when, when John said, hey, I'm, I'm going to become a priest? I must say they were very affirming. Okay. You know, they were very affirming for me, mm-hmm. but I suppose the first thing that I remember was the first Christmas I came home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... We had a ritual from the year or two previously, you know, uh, the Jetland and places like yeah, that that yeah. we used to go to in those days, that instead of I preparing for that, I was going back to families playing cards. <laughs> and uh, so much so even that since 1966, I play cards with George and Mary Rourke in Kildimo. And I've already missed two years since 19, every Christmas since 1966. And there were two Christmases that I was in Lebanon with the, with the forces. Isn't that a lovely memory to have? Mm-hmm. So, okay, you're off to life in the seminary. Um, I suppose this would have been a, a new type of experience for you. I mean, I'm presuming a lot of silence, ritual. It was a new time of experience, yeah. The ritual, I remember Kilkenny or Nari Tipperary were in the... All, yeah. all Ireland the first year and fellas had kind of um, uh, earphones <laughs> stuck in all kinds of places <laughs> trying to get match results yeah. during uh, yes. uh, during the week's retreat that we had when we went in in the week's silence but I remember as well going back and uh, you'd worked so hard at home in the farm for the summer that the first year you went back <laughs> it was a great rest the silence yeah. and, and you had a regular getting up in the morning and getting into a routine and going back again, you know. And uh, the, after the summer, um, you had a great rest when you went back. But um, there was also great enrichment as well. We'd always, we'd always seem to have very, very fine uh, priests uh, giving us the uh, retreats yes. every year when we'd go back. And we kind of sorted ourselves out. And then after that week, we got into the... Um, the whole routine of study and, 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 and uh, lectures mm. again. How many people would have been, or how how many people would have been training in that seminary in Carlow? In that seminary in Carlow, there were twenty nine in my class, um, and all together, um, the biggest group I think uh, was in nineteen sixty seven. There were one hundred and eighty five of us there wow. in nineteen sixty seven. But Carlo, as well as being for Irish diocese, was really found to follow the immigrants uh, to okay. America and to England. Okay, okay. Now, now, ju- just about that time too. The uh, what years would it, would these have been further? Nineteen sixty five to seventy one. Okay, so it would have been just after Vatican. After two? Vatican two, that's right. And we had a great man. Uh, uh, who who really who really uh, believed in all that was happening in the Vatican to a man by the name of Father P. J. Brophy. He would have been known through the uh, Gay Burn shows at the time. Okay. He was a very gracious gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, and he was implementing all the uh, new uh, training and the new ideas of Vatican II. Uh, he had us standing around the altar. He had us uh-huh. facing the people. He had a, mm-hmm. he had mass in Latin and in English in order to introduce us at the time. Yes. Because you remember at that time you mm-hmm. had a mass uh, in That's Latin. That's right. That's right. And um, that, that's he, right. P.J. Brophy was a Father P.J. Brophy he was a great priest and a great man to inspire us and a very spiritual man as well a man that was very close to God and he had mm. a great sense of uh, uh, of nature he loved the garden he loved his, he loved this time of the year now yes. with yeah. the 
trees beginning to blood, uh, mm-hmm. bud and the, the daffodils beginning to show forth as well. Lovely. And I suppose, uh, so you were there um, for six years, you said, in Carlo. Um, did you find it easy there, to, or did you have doubts there? I mean, this was a time to, I assume, discern, because you no doubt would have had a spiritual director too, so there would have been times... Yeah, there were often mornings you got up and you said, what am I doing here at all, to be quite honest? Yeah. Uh, generally, it was a very, very happy experience for me. I did have doubts, and uh, there were times when I said, look at... What will I go and move yeah. away? And, yeah. But something always seemed to pull me back. It was, um, I remember meeting um, one of the lecturers one time, Father Ender Lyons, and uh, he was um, talking to me, and he sensed something that wasn't right for me. Mm. And he invited me to come and talk about it. And he's a man, he's of Chum Dices, Father Ender Lyons. He's... Uh, but he he was most inspirational as a teacher as well. He used to teach Christology. And he gave me a way of thinking at the time about vocation that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. What he said to me was, in every vocation in life, there's a risk. And what you've got to do is to calculate that risk mm-hmm. and see with the grace of God, would you be able to live through it? Yes. Now, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're bringing in, you're saying, would you be able for celibacy? Yeah. Would you be able for living the life that's required of the priest and the kind of the expectations that people mm-hmm. had of priests mm-hmm. at the time and probably still have? You know, in some ways, they had you up in a pedestal and you were wishing somebody would kick it from yeah. underneath you yeah. at mm-hmm. times and drop you. Mm-hmm. But calculate the risk, he said. And that gave me enough material for prayer for the rest of that year. <laughs> yes. And I yeah. remember coming on towards, we used to have subdiaconus mm-hmm. at the times and then diaconus mm-hmm. and priesthood. And you had subdiaconus um, around... Um, March of um, uh, of your fifth year mm-hmm. for us, and I was going to the spiritual director one evening, and I said, "I better go in now and prepare myself for this, so that I won't be bladdering above <laughs> with this <laughs> man just wasting his time and mine." Because yeah. it was coming really to crunch time, you know. Yes. And I went into the church and I opened the Bible. Yes. And the passage that came in front of me was the passage of 1 John 29, follow me. Yes, lovely. And I said, my goodness tonight, I just cut the Bible as it were (laughs) to see. Yes. It could be go home to. (laughs) It says, follow me, come and see. And my goodness tonight, that gave me a new energy. And still to this day. Yes. A new energy, you know. That was a wonderful experience. And it was a great experience. It was mm. a great experience. Mm. And um, um, that has been a tremendous inspiration. I love that passage since. And, you know, it's amazing that years afterwards, when I was in NIHE in Limerick as a chaplain, and mm. we were working with Winter Assisa, yeah. and a girl by the name of John Carroll was asking uh, people mm. to come on a winter Assisa weekend okay. and one fellow said to one day and what happens there or oh, she said come and see <laughs> well I thought it was powerful you know Lovely. and it um, re-energized me anytime I read that passage from the scriptures come and see follow me it is the call of the apostles and would that have been the confirming moment for you then so um, it was I must say that after that I had decided yes I was going ahead and I wasn't going to you know I had kind of began to put my hand to the plough in earnest you know and thanks be to God you know God has given me the grace to stay with it for 38 or 9 years. God bless you and thank you very much indeed for that wonderful um, idea that 38, 39 years of God's grace. Uh, maybe just one last piece of music, maybe. Uh, sorry, one last question before we go for the second piece of music. I know you mentioned early on about the Columbans and so on and so forth. Did you ever have any other, uh, was it always that you said, look, I'm going to go for the Limic Diocese? Or did you ever think, well, even during this time in seminary, 
Would he go off to the missions or would he go off? I, in Limerick Diocese, uh, there were options to go to Africa. Okay. And uh, I must say, I was very tempted at the time mm. to go, very tempted at the time to go, and I would have had the option of going because uh, people were were asked to volunteer to go. But I was in the college at the time. I was trying to find uh, routes for the chaplaincy there. Mm. And I kind of said, look, I'm going to stay with this for another while. Mm. Uh, I was then glad to have the opportunity to spend a year in Lebanon uh, with the United Nations later on in times. Okay. Uh, just one more question, Father. The, is it usually seven years for seven years in seminary? Did you mention six? Yes, we had six in Carlo. We had a. We did not do the uh, the B the undergraduate degree in Carlo. Okay. We did the philosophy uh, for two years, and then we did four years uh, theology. Okay, so that at that particular time, then so you, you you're going through um, subdeacon and then um, deacon, fifth year subdeacon and sixth year ordination. Deacon so, at the end of fifth year. And so the idea would be that you would be ordained uh, in in which year? Sorry, on your final year. On your final year, which was nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one, and the date being. The date being the thirteenth of June, nineteen seventy one. I'll never forget it. In Kildare. In Kildamo. Yeah. And were there very many others of your class ordained at the same time? Or? No, there was one other of my class ordained. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, beautiful timing. The, the beautiful timing. The, the clock waits for no one, <laughs> as Nate Connolly would say. All right. What did you say? Come and follow me. <laughs> <laughs> the clock okay, waits okay. for no one. But anyway... The the uh, the other chapter was the name was Jim Jim uh, McDonald. He is in North Carolina at the present time, and Jim uh, uh, didn't uh, stay with ministry. He pursued a career in psychology afterwards in counselling in North Carolina. Um, the day I was ordained, I remember coming out to give the blessing to the families after mass, and I'll never forget it. Jim had one brother, Tom. Uh, for the first blessing. His mother had died during his time in college. His father had died before he went to college. And then, next to Jim, were a crowd of O'Shea's, uh, my father and mother, my four brothers and four sisters. And uh, I felt mm-hmm. it was an awful lonely time because I felt for Jim McDonald. Yes. I felt that he hadn't his mother, he hadn't his father, mm. he had his brother and Tom and his wife, Mita. I don't know if Ray was born at the time or not, they mm. were first born. And uh, uh, tough. then, it, that, yeah, that, that, that was one of the memories that I had coming out to do mm. the first blessing that day and it has stayed with me since. And I suppose I thank God for a big family ever since, you know. Mm. Four brothers and four sisters. It was the, again. It must have been a, a wonderful experience for you, you know, to be there at ordination in your own parish. It was, and um, Father John Godfrey was the parish priest, mm-hmm. and he had invited me to the opening of the church in Kildaimo, which was a new church opened on the eighth of December in nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. and it was in the piece of ground that I would have worked on as a young lad. My father donated it to the building of the church and uh, it was in the piece of ground where we would have sat cabbage and potatoes and uh, bits and pieces keep the house going when we were youngers and played around as well, needless to say. Lovely memory. And robbed apples out of the (laughs) Nolan's orchard next door. (laughs) Very good, we've all done that. Maybe, Father, it's time for the second piece of music. Mm. Do you want to introduce the second piece of music? The second piece of music I'm thinking of is um, Finbar Wright. And I'm thinking of it, my father used to love to sing Milking the Cows. Okay. And uh, Finbar Wright um, has been here in Abbey Field with us, and um, he has got many lovely pieces, but one of the songs that my father used to sing was Because. Okay. So I would like if you would pray that, Because, uh, by Finbar Wright. By Finbar Wright. Okay, so we'll now listen to Finbar Wright singing from his album uh, Because, and actually the track is called Because. So let's listen to this, and we'll come back uh, for the continuation of the interview. (laughs) 
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Okay, so welcome back again to this third part of this uh, wonderful interview. And thank you, Father, uh, Father John O'Shea. I'm with uh, today and he's um, relating his story to priesthood. So at this particular stage, um, you've, you've, you've just been ordained in your native parish in Kildaimo. And, and uh, I suppose um, the following day you would have said your first Mass, Father? That's right, fine days at the first Mass. And um, yeah, it was a great community occasion as well. Um, the gathering and the goodwill of people was huge at the time. Uh, the gathering of cousins and relations and friends. And um, it was a lovely time. And uh, it's a time that I would always remember. I still remember, said the first Eucharistic prayer th- that morning. Yes. Um, and it was a group. A mass really of uh, appreciation and thanksgiving to God for the gift of priesthood, and also a mass of intercession as well, asking that the Lord would stay with me and I would be able to stay with Him in the journey that lies ahead, not knowing where I was going or what I was doing or where I was going to be appointed to. Beautiful, and of course, even that idea then that now you are a, a ordained priest and you are able now to perform the sacraments of reconciliation and the sacrament of the sick and so on and so forth these were the, these presumably all went through your mind too as you were just been ordained yes. in the, the first few days of priesthood yes indeed yeah and uh, we had uh, at that time you went to St. John's uh, um, Cathedral for mm-hmm. the uh, month or two in the summer Okay. and uh, so I started there and um, there you had the access to uh, the hospital mm-hmm. and also you had the parish, you had the cathedral, you had uh, St. Joseph's Psychiatric Hospital which was bulging with patients at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and you also had the prison so you were exposed uh, to many and uh, varied um, uh, types of ministry there in that parish for those few months. And then it was time um, to get some work done as a priest well, you know, right? Yes. So yeah, no doubt um, the bishop called you to one side. And bishop called me to one side and Bishop uh, Murphy, whom I'd like to remember, and uh, were always held with great affection as well. He was just a beautiful man, mm-hmm. um, very gentle and um, very affirming as well. And uh, had a great welcome for uh, the young priests at the time. And uh, he asked me, would I go and live with the priests of uh, St. Michael's? So when I went to St. Michael's and told them that, they said, well, you've come to live with the gentleman of St. Michael's. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Because it was known as the gentleman of St. Michael's and the priests of St. John's. (laughs) But anyway, there were seven of us living in the presbytery there in Perry Square. It became the Anoiga Hostel. I think it's a hotel now, actually. Okay. Uh, There were seven of us living in the presbytery. It was a good job the health and safety men never came because... (laughs) I often wondered if the place went up on fire, how, we, how we'd get out of it, you know, at night. Uh, and uh, the administrator at the time was um, um, Michael Manning, um, uh, who was in the city all his life. And a man whom I got to know very well, and I must say became a great mentor to me and a great support to me in my priesthood. Uh, also, uh, Liam Boyle, uh, Liam Kelly, were there. Um, Liam is retired in Nakadaria. Yes. is retired in Limerick. And they were tremendous priests and they had a great work ethic about them and they had a great sense of uh, uh, um, being bearers of the good news of the gospel and looking out as well for the broken hearted. Lovely. But then, uh, but even that idea about, uh, which is a different day to today, you know, seven priests living in a presbytery as opposed to today, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously you guys were pretty busy. I yes, mean, we were I mean, busy. Was also, also in that presbytery was uh, Oliver Plunkett, who is the parish priest now in Dunnock Moor. And I remember the first 
call I got, the first accident call I got, was down into old ranks. There was um, a young man, they were bringing in the grain there, and the grain used to come in from all parts of the country. And they were drying the grain, and they were letting it down through these dryers, and uh, some young man got into us, uh, into the dryers to push the grain down, and somebody pulled something underneath and sucked him down into it and smothered him inside in it. But we had to climb up to the top, you know, because he hadn't still Mm -hmm. got out of it. And um, Oliver Plunkett accompanied me that morning, uh, that that Mm -hmm. afternoon. It was about four in the afternoon or half four in the afternoon when we were called down to ranks. And I still remember since his family lived up in St. John's Parish at the time. And, uh, you know, I would be very conscious of that call and uh, the support of fellow priests as well. And there was the advantage of living with the others, with the other priests, you know, that you'd always somebody to ask, well, Mm, you know, mm, how mm. would you approach the situation? Yes. What would you do here? Yeah. You'd say to them, well, what a, oh, how do you yeah. present this gospel on Sunday, you know? Very it's affirming, very, very... Very affirming, yeah. Uh, community living, uh, it seems, wasn't always as nice, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. must say I enjoyed it. And the first time I lived on my own was when I went to my Ross in 1992. I always lived with priests. With some... With priests. Pri- prior to that. RS, you know, uh, I was yes. five and a half years in the barracks then, which meant that I was with men there as well. So you you moved into St. Michael's. How long did you stay there for, Father, did you say? One year, but I had a bed there for about ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, I, the second year I've been teaching in the School of Commerce in Mulgrave Street. Okay. Uh, and then after that, the bishop asked me would I go to uh, the catechetical centre in Dundalk because he was anxious to have somebody qualified in secondary school catechetics and uh, I pursued that for a year and he was I was no longer in Dundalk of course 1973 was a great year the Sunday I went to the, before I went to Dundalk Limerick had won the All-Ireland you never forgot isn't that isn't it sad oh I was there yeah, yeah. isn't it sad to think that they haven't won it since you know yes please God they'll sort out their problems <laughs> and get on with it hopefully as, yes as, 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 Raikin would say to them, get on with it. And and, um, then, um, after coming home, he died in October of 1973. Bishop Murphy Mm -hmm. died as a young man. And um, so when I came home from Dundalk, I had nobody to give Mm -hmm. me an appointment. Okay. And um, Monsignor Lee said that... um, um, We'll have a bishop uh, shortly, and we had Bishop Jeremiah Newman, mm-hmm. and he had no plans for me. <laughs> so uh, the Christian Brothers were looking for a chaplain, and I went into the secondary school in Christian Brothers from 74 to 75, okay. and found myself teaching religion to the secondary school pupils. And at the end of that year, my bed still in St. Michael's, at the end of that year, um, the bishop asked me to go to NIHE and uh, it's UL now yeah. so I spent 12 great years there very good uh, um, and what sort of work were you involved with there? I was chaplain there with the students uh, supporting the students in times of crisis um, you know it was a, almost a greenfield site at the time okay. from the point of view of a chaplain you hadn't the medical services or the psychological services or the accommodation services that they have there today mm-hmm. uh, now uh, there when we started off and I remember the first interview I had with Dr. Ed Walsh mm-hmm. um, who was the president the founding president of the um, NIHE he said to me if there's ever a student dispute he said I expect you to be outside with the students turn the Bricks in the window rather than inside minding me here. <laughs> Very good. Very so good. So that kind of set the agenda set the for agenda, yes. be with the students. And um, yes, I have great friends still uh, from those years um, in NIH. Would you have been working there on your own as a chaplain or would there have been other chaplains there? Uh, there was a Church of Ireland part-time chaplain mm-hmm. there. Uh, there were a number of men there. Peter Tarleton was there. 
Harold Trotter was there, Erdnan Perdue was there, uh, very fine men as well, and they brought their dimension to the chaplaincy work in, in, um, in the college there. And did you find yourself busy there? You know, I mean, within a university setting, would, would there have been many people willing yes, to approach you? You would have come. You would have quite a number of people. You had you had an awful community stems everywhere. You had uh, bereavements uh, okay, of yeah. parents of, of 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 students. You had also students at the time who found it very very difficult to find the money to stay in in, in college. Okay. So you had uh, and as well as that, you had students who were wondering, you know, was this the place for me? Mm. And um, there were also lots of students there who who were uh, genuinely interested in in spirituality at the time. And uh, hence we had the Young Christian Student Movement there and we had Moitra there. And I also involved myself in uh, football and hurling. Uh, the club had just been founded there. And um, we had great years up and down the country in buses with footballers and hurlers oh, uh, from the college. And... Uh, there was a great gathering of uh, people there. And then, you know, the services, sports officer came, the accommodation officer came, the counsellor came, the doctor came, and a whole um, a whole platter of service grew up around uh, student services, which was very, very uh, affirming for the students as well, the supportive for the students. You would have been left there for 12 years, Father? I was there for 12 years. That's a long time to leave a guy in, in a place now. You know, I mean, usually would they leave a priest there for seven years or eight years? Well, I know that's parish life, but yeah. 12 years, well, that's I, a long time. I must say, I never asked to move. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I don't know how the bishop uh, got yeah. the idea of moving me out, yeah. but um, he did uh, in 1987, and I um, must say that um, uh, I was heartbroken uh, leaving it, uh, but it was also time to move on. Mm-hmm. So... He asked me, nice and easy one day, he said, I'd like you to go as a chaplain to the Defence Forces in in the barracks in Edward Street and also as um, Social Services Director in Henry Street. So uh, Social Services at the time um, had gone through a huge transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Sister Dolores Madigan and Cura working very hard there. You had Joe Revel, the administrator of the of the centre, and then you had the, the preschools going there. And uh, at the time, um, we started uh, rebuilding the Cura uh, services and uh, put up a magnificent, um, refurbished, magnificent. Uh, Houses for girls who were expecting yes. babies, and at that time, mm-hmm. different culture to now. Mm-hmm. They weren't telling them at home, maybe yes. until afterwards, mm-hmm. and um, the same welcome wouldn't be at home, or the people weren't able to cope with it in the same way, mm-hmm. and the same support wasn't there for people. And also, then the, the postnatal service went up as well, and so we worked at that during our time there. And also, with uh, we get, got a very good relationship with the Midwestern Health Board, as it was at the time, and they saw that we were able to uh, do some work on their behalf as well. Wonderful work. And then you were also involved with the Defence Forces too? Yes, I was involved in the Defence Forces and the 12th Battalion in Edward Street, mm-hmm. and uh, met some fantastic men there. And uh, the ladies hadn't begun yes. to come mm-hmm. at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the 64th Battalion, uh, the head chaplain, um, who was in senior field at the time, asked me would I, would I go to uh, Lebanon with them. And I was delighted to have the opportunity to go to South Lebanon uh, with the Defence Forces. And uh, it gave me a whole new perspective on their work as peacekeepers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the battalion of 750 men were there and uh, they were working between the um, what they call the Israeli controlled area in this enclave between Israel and South Lebanon mm-hmm. and uh, my goodness tonight they were really respected for their work and rightly so because of the skills they brought to bear yes. the natural skills of the Irish 
soldier are huge my goodness wonderful. they go up the steps of the ladder when they're under the pressure there to One, wonderful experience magnificent man yes and how long did you stay there for did you say uh, two six month periods there okay. yes two six months time and of course it gave me great opportunities to see the holy land as well yes because you're in uniform all the time except for your 60 yard passes mm-hmm. and um, first timers always wanted to see the Holy Land, go down through the different places and walk in the footprints of uh, footsteps of Jesus. And mm-hmm. uh, we go down through Galilee, down into Jericho and on up to Jerusalem and out to Bethlehem and uh, back by Tel Aviv. Wonderful. Yeah. But I suppose all this had to come to an end and you were asked to move on again by the bishop? Yes, unfortunately I found myself in the wrong place. At the wrong time, one day when the bishop was looking for a parish priest after uh, Archdeacon Jim Sadler died, and uh, he was sending the parish priest in Myros to uh, St. Patrick's, mm. and then he asked me to go to Myros. Mm. And he said to me, Will you go to Myros if I ask you? And I said, I've always gone where I've asked mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like going yes, at the beginning. Yes. I was beginning to settle into the army, into yes. the social services. But uh, I'm delighted that I did move to Corpus Christi Parish, Myros. Um, and I remember at the time going out there, it was the first time I lived on my own. And yeah, uh, a group from the social services gathered around me. Deidre Lynch, Louise Kennedy, and Sister Dolores, and they, they put a house around me out there. Oh, and I remember Dolores saying to me, every night before you go to bed, shake the holy water and there'll be no fear of you. <laughs> you. Very good. And neither the house nor the cow wasn't touched uh, during the 10 years that I was in in, the, in that parish. And also I was in the neighbouring parish of... Uh, I was a neighbour to um, Canon Manning and... Uh, in St. Munchens, oh, right, okay. and it was very good uh, for us to be close to, to be each close other, together. Yeah. And of course, that that was your first experience of parish life because you're. Well, I always kept my hand in mm. from the time I was with uh, Kenneth Manning because I stayed with him a number of years, even when I was in the college. Okay, okay. And I stayed with him when he was in St. Munchens and when he was in St. Michael's. Okay. And we grew to be good friends always, yeah. So this way, th- at this stage, Father, you'd have been, what, a priest about 25 years at this stage when, when it's time to move out of Myros? When I went, when I went to Myros, uh, I, it was in 1992. It was 92, 20, okay. 21 years of priest. Wow. Yeah, I was 21 years a priest and I had the experience of uh, being in the what is now UL. Okay. Been in yes. the army, been yes. in the social services, wow. and I felt I was well trained for my house. <laughs> because, uh, because the three things I think that you, you, you know the parish needed at the time was to try and uh, encourage people in their education. Uh, secondly, to support them in their brokenness mm-hmm. of the social mm-hmm. services. And I think the uh, third thing maybe the Defence Forces gave us all was a sense of discipline about life. And um, and I remember walking out, you know, the first morning and looking out onto the Clare Hills. Mm-hmm. I thought I was back in South Lebanon again, except yes. it was far more peaceful. We had no tanks looking in us. <laughs> we were able to look yes, out. Yes, and we had yes. no compounds and tanks looking Wonderful. down on us. Yeah. So you were 10 years, did you say, in Myros? 10 years in Myros, in and Corpus then, Christi Parish, Myros. And then you were asked to move again? Yes, I was asked to move again to Abbey Field. And uh, I'm in Abbey Field since 2002. Uh, um, so I had 10 years in Myros, 10 great years and great people and great families there and and, and um, uh, moved on to Abbeyfield in 2002 to a different type of parish, um, I must say. That's good. And, and I mean, you know, just thinking back to my Ross again, you know, where we now have um, the friars at the renewal there now as well. And, and um, they seem to be bringing this sense of Christianity uh, and um, I suppose comradeship very much so to Maras, but that wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to have done that without the likes of you and the present parish priest being there. Well, you know. we had uh, we had the Sunflower Project when I was in Maras, which was a project to try and build community and spirituality with mm-hmm. the leader of it was Anne Caulfield. And then Anne was a very dynamic person. And as well as that, we had a number of people around Maras in the different areas, 
in Pineview. You had the sisters of the the little sisters of the Assumption, and in uh, down in what they call Lenagross, you say in White mm-hmm. Cross Gardens, we had the Christian Brothers, mm-hmm. and then uh, in Cosgrave Park you had the Mercy Sisters. So you had groups of people yeah. working around there with the people all the time, and living amongst them. And they were the they were the people who were living amongst them. None of the professionals that used to come in to deliver the services lived there, mm. but um, the brothers and the sisters and ourselves lived inside amongst the people. We got to know the people. They became our neighbors. They became our friends, and uh, they became also. Um, people that we have always admired and respected. And during the time there, uh, we built the, the new church because mm-hmm. uh, we had a fire during the novena there and uh, they destroyed our old church. And we had built a beautiful new church. The architect, John McMahon, and Fergus Costello was the artist. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a beautiful church. If you haven't been to Maros Church... I have. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful it's church. Beautiful. Yeah. And actually, the Holy Spirit that... Uh, card yes. for confirmation is is, is uh, taken f- from the window in my Ross. Beautiful the spirit coming it's down. Beautiful. Us. You've been here now for the last eight years in Abbeyfield, Father. Yes, indeed. Uh, so a busy, a very busy, vibrant parish. Yes, a very busy, vibrant parish. The West Limerick people are a very hospitable people as well, a very welcoming people. You know, there are people who have expectations of you as well and there it's an older congregation as well here mm-hmm. uh, compared to Maros. Maros you had uh, maybe eight funerals in the year mm. you know uh, here you would have uh, 50 funerals in the yes, year yes. you know um, mm. it's it's a more settled community here as well in Abbeyfield and it's a very warm community and it's, it's great to be able to um, able to minister in this community well, as well. C- certainly you can just walk into the church here in Abbeyfield and you get a sense that you know you're in a Christian community in a very Catholic community it's a wonderful church yes there's a great number of people involved in involved the environment seems to be yeah after what's the time we're coming close maybe towards the end of this interview but maybe there's two questions I want to ask of you maybe one what do you think people expect of you as a priest they expect you to be sincere and honest with them. Uh-huh. They expect you to uh, help them if they seek your help with a great sense of integrity. Uh, people here, they expect you to celebrate the, the liturgy in such a way that it is a real living act of worship to God. Uh, people expect you as well here to keep their goodwill and their uh, their good uh, wishes in your prayers mm-hmm. and to lift them up before God, especially in times of sickness and in times of difficulty and trouble in their families. Yes, um, they expect you as well to be attentive to them mm-hmm. at a, at a, in the very... Uh, what would you call, in, at the various t- times in their life, especially around the sacraments, Yes. Uh, at times of baptism, they like you to be attentive to them. They, they like you to be celebrated with great dignity at the times of wedding and the times of celebration. Mm-hmm. And then at the times of their bereavements and at the t- times of grief, uh, they expect you to try and break the word of God for them that will give hope. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Lately, I came across a prayer that from the Taze community that said, "Risen Lord, in your Gospels we find hope. This hope sustains our faith in times even when we think there is no way out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is this hope that helps us to reinvent the world. When things are falling apart, we know that." Uh, mm. they come and they seek your help in your prayer and you hope that all will be well and that God will hold the centre together for them That's so uh, yeah um, I'm very involved with the putting together of structures around young people mm-hmm. uh, because I think we have to be attentive to the needs of our young people we have four youth clubs here 
at the present time and uh, we have 40 youth leaders wow. uh, we travel to the we were in Sydney with a group of youth for the World Youth Week mm. and we were in Cologne and we're looking forward to going to Madrid next year please God um, the confirmation programs and the First Communion programs the pre-sacrament preparation programs mm. uh, you know, these are very important because there's a slight danger that we might think should the school will do that and we need to take on the responsibility in our parishes and in our homes of uh, uh, supporting young people in their faith as well. Wonderful. Just one last question. We just have time for one last question. What keeps Father John going? What keeps you going in a priest? What keeps me going? Keeps going? I'm off every Monday, John. <laughs> <laughs> I try and stay I off like every it. Monday. I go like home it. to my mother of a Sunday Sunday night as much as I can. Stay at home. And I put on the old clothes and I walk the fields of a Monday. Um, brush the yards and uh, uh, try and uh, keep um, an interest in walking the earth you know they say the person who's close to the earth is close to God um, the encouragement of the people and the affirmation of the people mm-hmm. I must say uh, very 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 much so you know you get to text with them or you get the old phone call yeah nice of course if they have something to say that you're not unhappy about <laughs> they'll bring you too you know but a- their understanding and companionship and I think the gratitude that I find in people and especially you know, uh, there are times too and uh, we see different parish projects and we see people becoming involved in them and, you know, uh, this kind of type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sense mm-hmm. of acceptance by the people. Um, it is good to sit down as well and socialise with them. Very important. You know, important. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think staying close to the Lord is very, very important because when you come in at night and you're on the house in your own, and you have no wife to tell the story to. Yes, yes. Well, Lord, this is me. This, this is how I'm trying to cope with it, you know? Yeah. And it um, isn't, uh, isn't that uh, you'll be lonely, because, but, it's about you, but I think it's about you having the space to enter, yeah. into, um, to enter into a dialogue with God again to mm. sustain you and, uh, before the day is finished. Creator of the world, we earnestly ask of you that in keeping with your mercy, you hold each one of us in the palm of your hand, and I think that's important. Well, that's a wonderful way to finish off the interview, and I want to thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us, to, to, to speak to myself and, and all the people in West Limerick, uh, for giving them encouragement as to the times that you went through on your, on your journey to priesthood. So maybe just before we leave, two things you've got to do for us. If we have time, we'll play the last piece of music. But just before that, you might just give us your blessing, please, Father. Yes, indeed. We pray that the blessing of Almighty God will come upon you, John, and upon all your listeners this day, and that they would know the strength of God's presence in their lives, and they could, that they will continue to live knowing the great and tremendous love God has for each one of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for that, Father. And John, the piece of music that I have asked, uh, going to ask you to play is the chorus of the Hebrew slaves from the Vienna State Opera Chorus. And it's a long piece of music, John, but maybe you might be able to find time for we'll it another it time. We'll sleep it especially coming on to Easter, you know, I think is a beautiful, reflective sure piece of music. And a happy Easter to you all. A happy, and God bless you, and thank you very much, Neil, Father, and we'll go out with this piece of music. So to all of you out there, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful interview we had with Father John, and we'll talk to you again in the, in the near future. God bless now. Bye-bye. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to play uh, the two tracks in full that Father John chose. That's You Are Mine by Tony Mullins, and also Finbar Wright singing Because. Uh, we, will, we will play them again in full at some future date in the program and also I didn't have time at all to play the chorus of the Hebrew slaves I hope we'll play this on Easter Sunday bye bye now Sacred Space on West Limerick 102